0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining back here for our series, Everything is Meaningless, which I know, as I said, um, it seems like a little bit of a shocking place to begin last week. But that is what we want to take a look at, because this idea of everything is meaningless is actually from a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, where the writer Kohelet says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And as we explored last week, really what this is about is the fact that so much of what we chase after in life, it's futile, it's vapor, it actually doesn't lead us to fulfillment, that in the words of Kohelet, it is Havel, that's a Hebrew word, or as we talked about it last week, that it's all smoke and sheep jumping into ditches. And if you didn't see that, go back and watch last week's video to see the best sheep video that there is. And today we want to continue on in this series, really then looking at, okay, if so much of what we chase after in life is meaningless, it doesn't lead us to where we want to be, it doesn't actually fulfill us, then how should we live? What should we do? And today what I wanted to do is I want to introduce you to Kohelet's view of time, actually. And Kohelet's view of time is radically different than ours. And so I want to explore with you how he sees us moving through the world that we are a part of, where there is so much havel, vapor, mist, and smoke. And so to do that, to begin with, what I need to talk to you a little bit about today is I need to talk to you a little bit about our understanding of time. And what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to make it sound a little bit weird to you how we view time. Because if you start to understand the construct of time we live in, it actually is a little weird. So the first thing I want to state is this. The first thing I want to be clear with is that time is a construct. And what I mean by that, if it sounds a little bit esoteric, is that the view of time and how people understand time and even experience time, this changes in different places and cultures, okay? And this really matters today because we're going to see Kohelet's view of time, right? And it's going to be radically different than ours. But you might be saying to yourself, but like, but Andrew, like a minute is a minute, an hour is an hour, a day is a day. But that's actually just our Western standardized view of time. So I'd like to suggest to you. Is that when it comes to our Western modern idea of time, that there are really three things that drive our understanding. I want to contrast these with Kohelet's understanding of time today. So, when it comes to our day and age and our world, we think of time, I would like to suggest to you, in terms of three things. We think of time in terms of commodification, in terms of progress, in terms of standardization. Okay? That we think of time in terms of commodification, progress, and standardization. That first, when we start to think of what time is, we think of it in terms of a commodity, as something that we can control, as something that we can trade, as something that we can give, barter, waste, gain. We think of it as a thing that actually becomes a commodity. This is why the primary and almost dominant metaphor for time in our day and age actually has to do with money that time becomes a commodity that you can spend. So we ask that question like, are you spending your time wisely? As if it's like money. Oh, I found something that will save me some time. I'm just gonna buy some time. Or we talk about time is money. That when it comes to time in our current day and age in our modern Western world, even though we may never think about this, time really functions for us as a commodity. As something that you can spend, save, give, barter, trade, gain, whatever. And that for the majority of us, then, the way we think about time is as a commodity that should be spent on progress. I think that's how we come to understand time. That time has to do with progress. That what you should be doing is actually using the time you've been given, right, to achieve, to better yourself, to improve, to progress, to give you an idea of how baked into our assumptions this is. Let me give you a little thought experiment. Imagine, imagine you go back to like, I don't know, your 20-year or your 30-year high school reunion, you know, if those things were still happening, I don't know if they are, but imagine that you did that and imagine that you were still doing the exact same job you were doing 20 years ago, the exact same, uh, living in the exact same place, same house, same friends, you know, on the same street, in the same town, most people would actually feel like you've been wasting time, that you hadn't actually been progressing Because we have this weird idea that we should be using time to progress ourselves, to achieve, to improve. But this is actually a really new idea. Like historically, it wouldn't be weird actually to stay in one place, in one job, in one career for a lifetime actually. Historically, that was the norm. And what people called that was like stability, was loyalty, was faithfulness. But now we have this idea that we should be using our time to spend it wisely, to progress and to change things, and to move forward. And so we have this idea we should be constantly moving forward. Add into that, then, we have the idea of time not only as a commodity and as progress, we also have the idea that time is standardized. So a minute is a minute, an hour is an hour, and that these things are all the same across the board. Whether we're here in Canada or in Japan, we have this idea that time is the same. And this is actually a little weird, too. And I want to kind of prove to you a little bit about how weird it can be, okay? I want to invite you to just think about this. Could you, if I asked you, and I'm going to, okay, could you name what Monday feels like? Could you talk about, like, Monday, right? And likely you could be like, oh, you know, Monday's going back to work. That's the grind. It's kind of the start of, you know, the work week. It's all of that. Or better put, like, could you actually name what a Friday feels like? And you might be able to be like, oh yeah, like for sure, like it's, you know, TGIF, like, like thank the Lord it's Friday, we're, the weekend is coming, all that sort of thing, right? But this is actually really, really weird historically that for so many of us, we never think once about naming uh, a week, day of the week, that we can talk about a Monday in November as if it's the same of every other Monday in the year. This is really unique and actually quite weird that when we come to talk about time, that we can talk about time without it having any connection first of all, to the land that we are part of, to the place that we are living, and also to the season that we are in, whether that's like winter, spring, harvest, whatever, that a Monday now is the same as a Monday in the future. This is radically new, actually. Nobody ever would have thought this way before. This is a new way for us to actually view time as something that is standardized across the board. And if you actually do some research into the history of time, which clearly, clearly I've done, What you will notice is that time gets standardized, actually, as we start to become more global and what ends up driving things is efficiency and economics. This is why I think today, if you want to know what the epitome of our culture's view of time is, I think the epitome of this idea of commodity, of progress, and of standardization and efficiency, do you want to know what I think the epitome of time in our culture is? It's Amazon. That's the epitome of what time looks like in our culture. It's the company Amazon where it's all about, you know, one-stop shopping. And really what Amazon is selling to you, follow with me, Amazon is not selling you products. It is not interested in that at all. What Amazon is selling you is speed, is time, actually. This is why there's like a buy now button. It's like one day shipping. It's like one-stop shopping. Amazon is selling you speed. This is why then Amazon has recently come under fire, and this is of like no surprise whatsoever, has recently come under uh, fire for uh, tracking what is called time off task for their employees. What time off task is, is when people are in their shipping warehouses, is when they aren't working. That they're essentially tracking when people are going to use the washroom. And that employees are getting so scared to use those breaks and go to the washroom that they aren't because they're not meeting their quotas or whatever. And we have actually railed kind of against Amazon for that in culture. That's been a story that's come up. But what we don't often really realize is that Amazon is just the epitome of our culture's view of time. That it's all about a commodity. It's all about progress. It's all about time, efficiency, standardization, and just driving things forward. That's how time is viewed in our culture. And what I want to suggest to you, what I want to suggest to you is not only is this view of time really unhealthy, what I want to suggest to you is that this view of time isn't biblical. And so today I want to invite you to understand a different way to view time a different way to to view how we are moving and living throughout this world that we are part of, I want to invite you to consider Kohelet's view of time, which, as I said, is going to be radically different than ours. And so we're going to find that today in Ecclesiastes 3. So if you have your Bibles, open them up there. Now that hopefully we understand a little bit about some of the unconscious things and assumptions in our day and age, about what time looks like, I want to now contrast it with Kohelet's view. And we're going to read a passage in Ecclesiastes that some of you will actually be very, like, very, very familiar with. That if you're from a certain age demographic, or if you have musical tastes that go beyond you know, kind of just the past five years, you're going to be very aware of this passage. You've likely heard it before. Okay, So I want to read to you Ecclesiastes 3, and then we're just going to work it through together. And I'm going to read it actually from the King James Version. The King James Version does the best translation for Ecclesiastes across the board. So I want to read this. This is Kohelet uh, teaching us. He says this. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heavens a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up which has been planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time to war, and a time of peace. And here, here Kohelet is going to give us a radically different view of time than our idea that time is about progress, it is about a commodity, and it's about actually standardization. What Kohelet wants to teach us is that really the way we should be viewing time. It says, time as seasons. That's what he wants to teach us. That time is really about us living into different seasons and different moments of life. That time is about seasons. He comes right out and says this right at the very beginning. He says, to everything there is a season. To every time there is a purpose under heaven. That time isn't just homogenous and the same. What Kohelet wants to teach us is that time is dynamic. Time is changing. Time actually enters into different seasons and spaces. This is why for Kohelet, every Monday cannot possibly be the same because one Monday you might be in a very different season, a time to heal or, die, or a time from dancing, a time of mourning, whatever it may be, that the seasons change and so, so do our lives. What Kohelet wants to teach us is that there are seasons to life that we are so often not even aware of and we're so often not in control of and that that's what we need to learn to live with. That time isn't just the same across the board, that really what it is, is that time is different seasons. A different time or a different season to every purpose under heaven. And what Kohelet wants us to understand is that for us to live in this world that is filled with Havel or meaninglessness or vapor or smoke, that what we need to start to accept is that there are seasons to life and that we aren't in control of many of them. Okay? That there are seasons to life and we aren't in control of many of them. He gets at this in the very next verse. Listen to what he says. He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. And here he's just talking about the fact that these are different seasons that we can be entering into and that really we're not in control of nearly as much as we'd like to think or imagine. He continues with that idea that we are in control of the different seasons that we are a part of, that we just need to respond to them with the next verse where he says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up which has been planted or a time to harvest. He's saying that there are different seasons to your life and to mine that sometimes we're in a season of planting, where honestly, we're hoping that what we are doing will actually lead to a benefit in the future, right? Or sometimes we're in a season of harvesting, actually, where we're actually in a season of abundance, where we are reaping what has been sown. But these are different times and seasons and spaces that you can find yourself in and that I can find myself in. But these are times and spaces that we often aren't in control of. But what has happened in our day and age is that because time has become standardized, we think it's the same always, We are actually blind to the fact that our life does move in seasons through different spaces and different times. For Kohelet, this would have actually been emphasized every single time that he would have sat down for a meal. Because what we never think of as weird, but honestly, it is very weird historically if you start to think about it. What we don't think of as weird is that you can get tomatoes in January. Like, that's actually weird. If you start to think about it, that's actually very new historically in, you know, different generations. Like this is really quite odd that right now in my house, I have avocados on my counter. This is new. This is different. So that our own eating patterns now, we think every day is the same because we can always eat the same foods every day. This would not have been true for Kohelet. You know, in the winter, you would eat your winter vegetables. In the summer, you'd be eating the summer fruit. In the harvest, you'd be eating harvest, right? It's just very different. That his life would have been emphasized through the patterns of eating, that you're moving into one season and out of seasons. We don't have that idea. We think every day is the same, every Monday is the same, every Friday is the same, when really they can be in radically different seasons. So what Kohelet wants to teach us is that there are seasons to life that we are really not that much in control of, and we need to learn to accept it. And so then he continues, and he says this, he says there's a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And here, Kohelet, what he is doing is he's not prescribing for us the different seasons we need to enter into. He's simply describing some of the spaces you may find your life in. So he is not saying that we should be moving into a time of killing or a time of war, as he talks about in the last verse. No, what he's simply describing is that for people, sometimes this is their their reality, that there be a time of peace. But remember, in that day and age, there could also be a time of conflict, of conquest, of war. He's simply describing the reality of life as he sees it, as he encounters it that there are different seasons and spaces and places that you might find yourself in. And that time works through large chunks of time and through over large seasons. So he says, there's a time of love and a time of hate, a time of war and a time of peace. He also says, you might be in a season of breaking down or a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn or a time to dance. Or he says, you might be in a season of a time to cast away stones or a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace or a time to refrain from embracing a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. These are the different seasons you might actually be entering into. And what Kohelet here is seeking to do is simply to describe the reality of life that we might be in. That we might be in a season of mourning. We might be in a season of dancing. We might be in a season of mending. We might be in a season of rending. We might be in a season of speaking. We might be in a season of silence. We might be in a season where hate is really present, or we might be in a season where love is really present. These are the spaces you may find your life in. It is just not all the same and homogenous. We are moving through different seasons in our lives. And that's what Kohelet wants to teach us that his view of time is so radically different than our view of time, and that what we have really lost in our day and age is we've lost the ability to speak in the seasons that we are in, to really just say, I'm in a season of mourning, and I have no idea how long this is going to last, or to say, I'm in a season of joy right now, and I'm just excited for however long it might last. We don't speak in terms of seasons. We speak in terms of days, minutes, weeks, that sort of thing, but we need to regain this, because what Kohelet wants to teach us is that our lives run according to seasons, and many of them we honestly aren't in control of whatsoever. And this, this is actually why I think COVID-19 has been really difficult for people. That when it comes to COVID-19 and all the complaints that are out there, and I've ushered many different complaints too, when people start talking about like lockdowns, masks and vaccines and all this sort of kind of stuff that's going on and policies they agree with and policies they don't, what people don't often name is what I think was going on just below the surface What's happening kind of just below the surface is just this, that people can't name the fact that the reason that they are frustrated is that they are in a season right now that they cannot control. That's what we don't often name, that right now we are in a season right now that none of us can control. We're not in control of how long this lasts or what all kind of happens, that we are actually at the mercy of forces that are bigger than us, and we don't like this. We're so used to thinking of our lives that we are in control of our own destinies. But what Kohelet wants to teach us is that, honestly, life runs according to seasons. And most of them, we don't have a choice when we enter into them or when we leave them. And that's what I think COVID-19 has raised up. The fact that we are struggling with we are in a season we can't control. I mean, how many times have you heard this where someone said, if I just knew how long this would last, I could get through it. If I just knew when this would all be over, then I could get through it. What we are really faced right now with the fact is that we do not have control. But that's what Kohelet wants to teach us to begin with. We never did. We might be entering into a time of mourning or a time of dancing, a time of rending or a time of fixing or a time of healing or a time of separating, that we don't have as much control as we'd like to pretend. That time is not about progress and control and standardization. It's about seasons that you enter into. Seasons that you find yourself in, seasons that you need to name and respond to, seasons that you might even need to name and to accept. I think that's what we need to learn. What COVID wants to teach us and what Kohelet wants to teach us is that there are forces that are bigger than us. And that right now we are really at the mercy of some of those. What Kohelet wants to teach us really then is that we need to learn to accept that and to name the season that we are a part of. And so he gives us a bunch of different ways to actually name the seasons. He says to everything there is a season and every time there is a purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up which has been planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to, uh, to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time to war and a time of peace. So what's my main point today? My main point is really something that's quite simple, but it's quite different than our world. My main point is that time runs according to seasons, and we need to learn to accept that. That's my main point today. That for Kohelet, what he wants to teach us is that time runs according to seasons and that we need to accept that. That we might be in different seasons, in different spaces, not every Monday, not every Friday is the same, and that seasons come and they change and they last longer than we'd often like, but that that is how our world works. There is a time for every season, and your life might be in a different season than mine. What Kohelet wants to teach us is that we need to be able to name the seasons that we are a part of, to be able to actually accept the fact that we are moving through different spaces, times, and seasons. And so what does this mean for us Practically. Well, today I want to give you three things. Three things I think can help this and help us to then live in a world where there is so much havel and meaninglessness. What I want to share with us then is three uh, words to kind of uh, allow us to make this more real, practical for us. And they are naming, hoping, and accepting. So the first word I want us to help us to make this more practical is naming. And here's the question I want to invite you uh, to consider today. I want to invite you to simply name whatever season you might be in. I want to invite you to just consider that for a moment. What kind of a season are you in right now? Okay. I want to invite you to think about that. Do not just think about you know, whether it's you know, a Sunday or Monday or whatever it is, but what kind of a season are you in right now? Is it a season of mourning, where things are honestly just hard and heavy and weighty? Is it a season of joy? Is it a season of laughter? Is it a season of dancing? Is it a season of silence where you don't know what to say? Is it a season of difficulty, of weightiness, whatever it may be? What season are you a part of? I think we've become so blind to the fact that we can actually move through these different kinds of spaces. And we need to regain that. Gohelit wants to invite us to actually name the spaces we are in. And so today, I want to invite you to ask that question. What kind of season or space are you in? And to help you with that, I want to invite you actually to just read this passage a few times this week. Gohelit here isn't describing the totality of all of our existence. He's describing, though, some of the kinds of spaces you might be in. So what kind of space are you in? Is it a space of love? Is it a space of bitterness? Is it a space of healing? Is it a space of rending? Is it a space of getting? Is it a space of giving things away? What is the space that you are in? I want to invite you to name it. Because here's what I really do believe. I believe that we do ourselves no favors, actually, if we deny or ignore the seasons that we are in. I believe we do ourselves no favors if we deny or ignore the seasons of life that we are in. So what season of life are you in? And here's why I think this is really important. Because naming will do two things, okay? First, it'll free us from false expectations, and it will also then free us from untrue assumptions. So the first thing I think that naming really does is to free us from false expectations. Because this is a harsh truth, but I think it is true, that if you're in a season that's quite weighty, that's difficult, maybe it's a season of mourning, or of loss, or of grief, or of rending, or of like just really breakdown in relationships and all of that, if you're in a weighty season, here is the kind of harsh truth, but I do think it's true, is that if you're in a very weighty season today, you're likely to be in a very weighty season tomorrow, right? If it's a really harsh season that you're going through, that what you'll actually likely experience is the same season tomorrow. And this is why, I know that's a very Kohelet thing to say, but here's why there can be freedom with that. I think that in our modern day and age, we assume that things will just magically get better with a new day. But I think that is an untrue assumption, and it's actually a false expectation that sets us up improperly to actually live and be grounded in reality. That if you're in a difficult season, you're likely going to be in that season tomorrow. So we don't need to have the expectation that things just magically get better all the time. But we have this expectation in our day and age. This is why when people have gone through loss, we ask them how they're doing. They're like, oh, oh, I'm getting through it, because what matters is progress, rather than saying, you know what, the real honest thing is, I'm in a real season of mourning, and I have no idea how long this will last. We expect people to move things far too, to move through, through, through things far too quickly. So what I want to invite you is to name, because it can set us free from false expectations. The second thing it can also do is set us free from untrue assumptions, because sometimes we're in a very weighty season too. Sometimes we just assume that what we're experiencing now, we will experience forever, that this is what the future is going to be like, right? But that's actually our Western view of time. That's not Kohelet's. Our view of time is that whatever we're experiencing now, it's the same in the future. Kohelet is the view that no, seasons come and seasons change and seasons go. So here's the good news about naming the season you're in if it's incredibly weighty, okay? The good news is this, no season lasts forever. No season lasts forever. And you might want to say amen to that, especially if you're in a difficult season, that this will not last forever. That yes, there are seasons of mourning, of of war, of hate, of difficulty, but then there are also seasons of joy, of dancing, of life, and of laughter, and that we move through them. So the really good news is is that if you're in a difficult season, the beauty is to remember that this too will pass. This will not be the same forever. That's what Kohelet wants to invite us into. So the first thing then is to name. The second thing I want to invite you to do is uh, around this word hope. I want to invite you to ask this question. Then once you've named the season you're in, what are you hoping God will do in this season? What are you hoping God might do? What are you hoping that he might move in your life? How are you hoping he might move in your life? And this is why I think it's really important important first to name, is that once we get grounded in where we're at, then we can appropriately kind of uh, set our expectations and our prayers. Right? So if you're in a season of mourning, perhaps then what you're hoping for is not just that it'll be magically over in you know, 24 hours, but really what you're maybe hoping for is the strength to get through it. It's some moments of joy and of comfort in the midst of it. So what is it you are hoping for in whatever season you may be in? If you're in a season of joy, I bet what you're hoping for is that this will last and continue, right? That's a fine thing to pray for. If you're in a season of hate, maybe what it is that you're hoping for is that hate will not go down so deep that it creates bitterness in your heart. If you're in a season of, of peace, you might hope as well that this kind of continues. I want to invite you to name what it is that you are experiencing. What is the season you're in? And then what are you hoping for? And then lastly, I want to invite you to do is this last word of accept. I want to invite you to simply accept the season that you are in. To simply accept the season you're in. And when I say accept, I don't mean accept like uh, things that are unjust or sinful or wrong. I simply mean to accept the fact that you might be in a season of dancing. You might be in a season of mourning. You might be in a season of planting. You might be in a season of harvesting. But to simply accept that rather than fight against it. Because so often the seasons we are in, we honestly don't have control over them. So can you simply accept where you're at so that you might be able to live with where you're at? And that's what I want to invite you into. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. I want to invite you to name the season you're in, to ask what is it I'm hoping for, and then how can you accept it in the midst of all that you're kind of facing. But practically, what does this look like? Well, as always, as always, I have no other life to share from really other than my own. So I want to share with you what this has looked like, this naming, this hoping, and then this accepting um, in my life. Specifically, um, when I was in a really weighty season, as I shared about a few weeks ago, uh, specifically in May, June, July, and August, Uh, That for me, uh, May, June, July, and August was a really, it was a really weighty season. It was a really hard season. It was a really burdened season. Uh, Krista was in placement, so she was working a lot. Obviously, in May and June, the kids were at home, but I don't know if you remember this. Also, in general, people were really angry um, all over the place, but then there was a lot of people in church who were also very angry, and I found it really difficult, actually, that for a while, uh, I couldn't actually name what I was going through and instead, all I would do is be complaining you know, primarily to Christians and some of my close friends and being like, I don't understand why Christians are being so angry and why they don't act with compassion. I don't understand why Christians aren't fighting for unity as much as they are for their own personal beliefs. I don't understand, like, why is this happening? And I was kind of fighting against it and I was complaining because it was just so difficult. But then eventually what I started to do was to name the fact that this is just a weighty season. This is a difficult season. This is a hard season. That what I started to use, to use the language of Kohelet, that this was a season of rending, or to use the language of Jesus, this was a season of sifting. That's what we were seeing. So I started to name what it was. And once I started to name it, I didn't fight as much against changing it, that things would just magically in 24 hours become better. I started to pray different prayers. I started to pray actually better prayers when I was asking the question, of what what am I hoping for? So it wasn't just that magically everybody kind of behaved all amazing. And so what I started to pray for was things like this. I started to pray, God, give me the grace and the courage to show it to people who really need it. God, help me to not get bitter towards those who are really hurtful. God, would you actually give me moments of joy and of relief in the midst of this really weighty season? Oh, God, please help me to not bring all this weight and burden home to my kids. God, help me to see you in the midst of some really challenging and difficult conversations. This is what I started to pray. And I started to try to accept the fact that this was a season I was in. And to not try to force it, to manipulate it, to change it, but to simply be faithful in the midst of it. So it was a weighty season. There was difficult things. There was a lot of untrue rumors and hurtful accusations. So then what I tried to do was to give grace and to listen and to really just be compassionate to every person. That's how I wanted to lead through this. That's what what acceptance looked like for me. And so what I want to invite you to do is to do something similar. To name what is the season you're in. What are you hoping for? And then what does acceptance look like? For me, it was to name the fact, okay, I'm in a weighty season. What I'm hoping for is that I can get through it, living with compassion, with grace, and with kindness. And accepting it means I no longer am trying to just manipulate outcomes. I'm going to trust in God and just be faithful to Him and to our people. That's what acceptance looks like for me. But what does it look like in your life and what you're going through? What is the season you're in? Perhaps it might be a season of grief. Then maybe what it looks like is to name that. And then what does it look like to actually uh, hope in the midst of it? It might be to say, God, can you give me some comfort in the midst of this? And to accept it might simply be to be able to say, you know what? I'm not going to focus on just progress and trying to get through it. I'm going to focus on really um, entering into the grief and to name it and to experience it and then to even move through it as God leads you. What season are you in? That's what I want to invite you to consider. So today, what is my main point? My main point is that Kohelet says that we move through seasons in life and we need to learn to accept that. And then what's my challenge? My challenge is really simple. Would you name, would you hope, and would you accept the season you are in? And then next week, next week we're going to talk about how do you actually move through the seasons? What are some practical steps you can do in whatever season you might be a part of? Whether it is a time of rending or healing, of sowing or of fixing, wherever you may be. But today what I want to invite you before we get there is to name, is to hope, and accept so that we might continue to live and to learn and to follow Jesus in this world that is filled with so often Havel, And so that's my challenge for you. Would you name, would you hope, and would you accept the season you are in? And so with that, would you join with me in prayer here today? God, I pray. I pray, God, would you give us the ability and the discernment to really name the space that we might be in, whether it's a heavy space or maybe it's a joyful celebratory space. I pray, God, would you be able to give us the real discernment to name the seasons we are in. I pray, God, would you help to shape us to be able to offer the right prayers to you that are based in the season that we are part of. And I pray, God, that you would give us acceptance. Acceptance of the things that we can change and acceptance of the things that we cannot, of, Lord, what we are called to do and of what, Lord, we need to give up to you in terms of trust and in terms of control. I pray, God, will we continue to follow you this week, but most of all, would we be able to name the fact of the season that we are in and, Lord, to be able to not expect every day to be the same, but also expect that you are moving in our lives and to see that. And I just pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And so to close today... We want to give you time to actually do that reflection, to actually think about what season you may be a part of. So I want to invite you simply to consider that as we move into our last closing song called Vapor that talks about the vapor of life. And so might we consider and pray and reflect and say to God, what season am I in? What does it mean to hope in this season? And what do I need to accept? Let's take some time to do that here together.